Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. Good evening. Um, I'm not a flatterer, but I've, I've been maybe with 1,500 pastors, but these two men, and I know there's a lot of others, I, I know them a little bit more than others, but these are two amazing pastors, amazing leaders, humble. Um, you know, some people present truth, but they present truth without God's heart. You are very fortunate. You know, pastors are a gift in Ephesians 4, 1 through 10 to the church. And these two men are a, a gift to us. And they have great hearts, great love, uh, great humility. And I'm just happy to know them, blessed to know them. So thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Would you stand for the reading of John chapter 21? This is Pastor Alfred. Uh, he's a pastor from Liberia. Uh, we met him in a refugee camp with 500,000 people. And in the place there was no water, no lights, no electricity, no sewage. And this is where we met him. He oversees 27 churches in Liberia. And uh, he's got quite a story. And he's going to read the scriptures to us from John 21, 15 through 19. Okay, so when they have finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than this? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him again, a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter's, Peter was grieved because he said to him for the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Father, thank you tonight. We pray that you would give us an ear to hear. Once again, thank you for so many precious lives that are here tonight. Thank you that you love us tonight with unconditional love. We pray that you touch us tonight. Help us. Thank you for eternal love that is personal. Bless this message tonight and the ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. I knew right away he was using another Bible. <laughs> I'm reading, I'm thinking, where's that coming from? Anyway, I've been using this Thompson Chain Bible. It's so bad. It's like my wife said, come on. Like, can't, I said, I can't get away from this King James Thompson chain for 40 years, you know. It's just what I do. But uh, Pastor Mark, that was awesome. Like, I'm, I was just really touched by your message. I've been 30 years in Africa, and uh, I, someone said to me one time, would you pray about Africa? I said, nope. <laughs> I had been in China, India, the Middle East, Eastern Europe, Romania, Yugoslavia, Bulgaria. Uh, I took students to Yugoslavia and Bulgaria, and we all got locked up 
in both countries in the 80s. And the parents of the students were really not happy with me because I was the headmaster of the Christian school. I said, your kids are going to be late. They said, why is that? I said, they're in jail with me. That was kind of frightening for them, but uh, we kind of pulled through it. And um, actually, we got arrested. We had uh, 500 Bibles. And you can, you can be really amazed at how many Bibles you can put on your body. I used to be a Bible smuggler in China. And you could actually get about 40 on your body. You're going you're gonna to kind of walk like a little funny. But um, they said, for every Bible you have, it's seven years in prison. I said, we got a problem. We got a problem. But, you know, God's in a miracle. I, saw, I, I said to everybody, there was 15 of us, go into the bathroom, put the Bibles in the bathroom, one by one, say you got to use the bathroom. And they did that. And I told one woman, and uh, she's in our church in Baltimore, my wife wanted to Christ at a tag sale. I said, go in and take this bag and walk out with the Bibles. No one's going to see you. She said, are you kidding me? I said, I'm telling you. And she walked out with the Bibles, and no one saw her, and we all got deported. It was awesome. <laughs> so there's a few times I didn't get deported. I got jailed. But that was also fun. Anyway, I was in prison in a country called Cotter. Is that what you call it? Cotter. Um, I was eating in a McDonald's in this country, and I gave a tract and was speaking to somebody, and they came in five minutes later and handcuffed me. And she said, I'm the Palestinian anchor woman for the Palestinian news station. So they're taking you away. And that was fun because um, being there, they said to me, uh, you got a problem. I said, no, you have a problem. I don't have a problem. You have a problem. You don't know God, and I don't know what your Allah thing is, but this is just how it is, you know. And um, they brought an interrogator down from the Capitol the next day. And they, he said to me, come with me. And he said, I want to show you something. I'm thinking, who is this guy? And he shows me a track. He said, 15 years ago in Detroit, somebody gave this to me, and I believe it. He says, you go home. I said, I get to see my wife again. It's so awesome. Um, I don't know what that's got to do with my message. I just thought it was an interesting story. But uh, we got picked off in Jordan one year, and they took me to what they call their CIA headquarters. And uh, I said, you have three choices. They said, what do you mean? I said, you have three choices. Kill me, I go to heaven. I said, uh, put me in jail, I start a church. I said, or let me go home to my wife. And they deported me three days later which was great because they, they handcuffed me and put me on the airplane and they stamped in my passport never to return to Jordan. You know the little windows in the airplane? I held up, as, I, as we were taxing out, I, they were standing there watching, I held up two or three passports. I said, I'll catch you later. Um, I'm not recommending any of this to anybody. I'm just saying that... Um, it's amazing how the enemy has locked up countries. He's locked them up. When we were in China, my brother and I in the 80s were smuggling Bibles. And the question they would ask you when you came to the border was, do you have Holy Bible? They didn't say, do you have Sports Illustrated? They didn't say, do you have Time Magazine? Do you, they didn't say, do you have Quran? Do you have Holy Bible? And we said, no. And so they kind of brought us in and told us to take our shirts and stuff off, and we had Bibles strapped everywhere. And the guy said to me, Christian, not supposed to lie. I said, I didn't lie. You said, do I have Holy Bible? I got 50 of them. He said, Bible, I got Bibles. So it's not a lie. It's just giving you this true answer. Anyway, my brother did that for many years and never got caught. And uh, it's amazing. And you realize... That And you know how, many, how much God loves these people, you know? It's amazing. And the opportunities that we have as, as Christians, as churches, as young people, to really look at God and see, when I talk about these things, it can be very intimidating for you or for me when I talk about it and think about them. But what we heard in the scriptures tonight uh, was that Jesus asked a question to Peter. Peter was the man. 
He was the man that God called him. And I love this verse in Romans eleven twenty nine: 29. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. That God doesn't change his mind. And you can cut a guy's ear off. You can deny Jesus who. And yet it stays the same. Amen. This is because of God's love and God's heart and God's ministry, God's purpose and God's call. He's not changing his mind. And so Peter is in a place where after he's seen Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. Remember, John 21, he, they have seen, if you look at 1 Corinthians 15, he, he appeared first to Simon Peter. And he saw him. And here he is going back. i got to remember what's on my left side. I don't have a left eye. I lost it, and I had a stroke in, in Mali. So if I run into the piano, don't think something's wrong. I just can't see it. <laughs> Peter is now doing something that he was told not to do. In Luke chapter 5, when Jesus met him, he says, from henceforth you will become a fisher of men. So this is over. Fear not. By the way, the first thing he said to him is, fear not. From henceforth you become a fisher of men. You know, fear is amazing, isn't it? How much do we fear? We fear the unknown. We fear what's going to happen. We fear the economy. We fear who's going to win an election. We fear what's going to happen. We fear diseases. My wife said to me, when you go on a plane, do this stuff, you know, because I've, I've had... I don't know. I've traveled two million miles by air. I don't do any of that. I love her, but I don't do what she tells me. You know, and I always come back with something or other. But fear is amazing, and there's only one thing that can handle fear. Perfect love, what? Casts out fear. And so he's telling him, fear not. And there was something about the presence of God himself. And then he just moves on. Now, these are men. There was two sets of brothers there. And here's some men that their whole life is their fishing business in Galilee. And he says to them, are you with me? He says to them, let's go. And, you know, James and John got out of the boat when their father was in the boat. They got out of the boat and left their father. And it's amazing because at the cross we see James and John's mother standing there right next to Mary. And Mary Magdalene. It's incredible. So he's seen Jesus risen. Like, can you imagine this? Like, why should I ever have any fear, doubt, anxiety, or live in human reason when Christ is risen? He has power over death. He has power over death. And yet he says in John chapter 21, verses 1 through 3, I go fishing. And they said some of the saddest words I've ever heard. We also go with you. You know, a good leader that's charismatic in some aspect of his personality can take people the wrong way. you got great leaders, so I'm so, I'm so thankful for that. But a, here he is, and he's going this way. He says, you know what? I go a-fishing. And they say, we also go with you. And guess what happened that night? What happened? They caught zero. It's the same scene three and a half years later at the same spot. I go a-fishing. Peter, don't you know who you are? I've called you to be a fisher of men. And Peter did not understand his identity in Christ. This is a big problem in Christianity. Is people don't know who they are. How can we expect them to do something when they don't know who they are? They just don't know who they are. And for, for uh, I can look at people and say young people because I guess I'm one of the oldest persons here. But not really because we're eternal. Hallelujah. Are you with me tonight? You can say amen once in a while. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. If, if God leads, not just out of some kind of rhetorical response based upon some denominational thing. But amen. You know, just an amen. And I'm going fishing. We're going with you. And they caught nothing. And then he says, uh, children. That's an interesting word in the Greek language. You're like boys still under instruction. Have you caught anything? Cast your net on the right side. And they did it. And John said, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. And they come with their fish. And Jesus dines with them. And he's cooking breakfast with his own fish. Isn't that awesome? He doesn't need their 153 fish. A lot of people are always trying to figure out what that 153 means. It's 153, that's all. I don't know what it means. 
trying to get some kind of significance out of a number? I don't know. Whatever. If God's told you what it is, praise the Lord for what he's told you. But I have no idea. And he asks him a question. He says to him, do you love me? <laughs> Very interesting question, isn't it? isn't it? Isn't that the question that is so important in my, in my life is, do you love me? You know, Pastor Stevens, who went home to be with the Lord, who was my spiritual father, he said to me one time, do you love to preach or do you love those you preach to? Did you hear that one? Do you love to preach or do you love the people you're preaching to? By the way, that's what happens in Africa or wherever people go, China, whatever. Do we love people? Because God anoints men of God who love people. He anoints him because the Spirit is a Spirit. In Romans chapter 5, 5 through 8, the Holy Spirit sheds the love of God abroad in our hearts. So the Holy Spirit is right there and the anointing is there because of the love of God. Do you love me? It's important for me to understand this. I know I love you. God is love. He can do nothing but love. Isn't that true? 1 John 4, 8 and 16. God is as to his nature. He is love. He just wants to know, is Peter receiving this love? Are you receiving this love? Because you are going to receive that love and love me with the very love I love you with. It's not something manufactured in the human soul or through human energy. This is receiving God's love and loving Jesus with his own love through the Spirit of God. And it's incredible. This is the motivation of Christianity. You know, a lot of people have truth. But truth has got to be connected to love. Speaking the what? Ephesians 4.16. Speaking the truth in love that you may grow up unto him. So if you've got truth and you don't love people, that truth will damage their conscious and unconscious mind. Hello? I worked in a prison for 10 years. Two maximum secure prisons. And I worked in a state where there was no death penalty. So guess what? To kill you is no big deal. They're not going to get a bigger sentence. They're there for the rest of their lives. And God taught me a lot about unconditional love in 10 years to love these people that hated me. And by the way, the guards were worse than the prisoners. <laughs> she must know something I don't know. <laughs> God taught me about love. Do you love me? This is the key. This is the motivation. They asked Hudson Taylor one time, uh, tell us how you interview missionaries. He said, one man came to me and said, my grandfather was a missionary, my father was a missionary, my uncle was a missionary, and I'm going to be a missionary to China. He says, not you. Another guy came, he said, why do you want to be a missionary? He says, because China's lost. He says, not you. He said to the next guy, why do you want to be a missionary? He says, because I want to obey the Great Commission. He said, not you. Last guy came and says, why do you want to be a missionary? He says, because the love of Christ constrains me. He said, you are the one. You are the one. You are the person because you know what? So a lot of those other things, are, are there's good parts of all of that. Nothing wrong. But I'm saying it's only God's love that will keep you in Malawi. That will keep us here doing what we're doing. That is God's love that is motivating us. What is the motivation? Motivation is why I do what I do. Think about how many wrong motivations are out there. People, have, people are motivated because they want to be recognized. People are motivated by the guilt over some other area, so they will do something in this area of Christianity, but they're motivated by guilt and fear and shame based on something that they're not doing. Hello? Some people are motivated by pleasing people. You know what? If all of you didn't like me tonight, I'm not going to lose any sleep. <laughs> Whatever, you know? God, and, and I don't, and I'm not liked, you know, I'm not into like, my, my wife says, if somebody writes a book, your enemy's book's going to be pretty big. The book about your enemies uh, will be very big. And that's okay too. Am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? But this incredible love of God that motivates our lives. He said, listen, I'm talking to you about the gifts in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 28 through 10 and 28 through 30. But I want to show you a more excellent way. And then he launches into 1 Corinthians 13 and he's speaking to a church. By the way, read the Corinthian epistles. And if you read them, you'll find 95 problems that the apostle Paul addressed in the Corinthian church. 
And yet he said, the greatest of these is what? Is love. I love you, regardless of your problems, regardless of your situation. Because love never demands a change. Love produces a change. Amen? You want people to change? Love them. Love them out of the change. Hello? In Genesis 37, it says, Jacob loved Joseph and made him a coat of many colors. You know why his brothers hated him? Did you ever figure that one out? Because hmm? the coat meant he was the king and priest of the family. And what's this young squirt doing being the king and priest of the family? We'll fix him. We'll sell him to the Ishmaelites. And they're going to send him down there. Can you imagine? He was loved by his father, and they hated him. I can't understand why I'm hated. Read the Bible. Read the Bible, okay? And they sold him. And you know what? You know, Joseph's heart, his heart that was God's heart, never changed towards those brothers. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to save many people alive. And you know what? He told them that in Genesis 45, 1 through 7. And they thought he was just being nice to them because daddy was still alive. Then in Genesis 50, 17 to the end of the chapter, daddy died and their brothers said, he's going to get us now. He was just leaving us alone because daddy was alive. And now that daddy's dead, he's going to get us. And Joseph wept. He said, I forgive you. I forgive you. You didn't sell me. God what? Sent me. To save many people alive. By the way, the greatest missionary movement that ever happened. You know what it was? Can I tell you? You probably know. One 17-year-old boy goes into Egypt and comes out two and a half million. Not bad, huh? That's with God, right? He goes in, 17 years old. The 75 people from his family come down. They come out in Exodus 14, two and a half million. Not a bad deal, huh? Pretty good results. Pretty good results in Egypt. In Egypt. But Joseph's life was motivated by love that he could actually forgive and minister to people that sold him and hated him. Ooh, that's a tough one, huh? You know what that person did to me? You know what they said to me? You know what's going on? You know, it's amazing the things that can happen with Christians. Ooh. What are you doing in my parking place? Give me a break, will you? What am I doing in your park? I'm so sorry. I had a flat tire in your parking place, you know? Well, I'm not very happy about that. Or I, I, had, two I had two preachers one time. They didn't talk to each other for five years because one of them, they were supposed to do 15-minute introductions at a convention. One of them did 30 minutes and took the other man's time. They didn't talk for like five years. life speaking? Is that what it is, speaking? Uh, you know what he did? I'm like, relax, will you? God loves you. How about forgiveness? How about a love that forgives, huh? You know what I love? You know what I love? Solomon, Solomon, when David sinned and committed murder and adultery, and by the way, he reaped what happened there. He reaped what happened there in his family. He had a child with Bathsheba. And you know what David named the child? What did he name him? So what was his name? Solomon. Hello, you out there? Solomon. You know what Solomon means? I have peace with God. Nathan, the prophet who pointed out his sin, came and said, his name isn't Solomon. His name is Jedediah, one greatly loved by God. See, a lot of times we just want peace with God, but God wants us to know that he greatly loves us. He loves us greatly. It's a great love. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. A great love. Read, a, read the six indictments against a person in Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3. And then read chapter 2, verse 4. It's amazing. Great love. A great love he had. Daniel chapter 10, 11 and 19. Oh man, what? Greatly loved. By the way, can I say something tonight? And I will because I have the microphone. Isn't that amazing? I, I, they don't let me do marriage seminars anymore because I made a statement one time and it was a little bit controversial. I said that the Bible tells the husband to do nine things in Ephesians chapter 5 and tells the wife to do two. So I believe any problem in my marriage is me. I'm the problem. 
Who just said amen? That's okay. Because <laughs> I'm initiating God's love. Husband, love your wife as, wait a minute. Boy, the, this is the part that we don't like. Or we like, but we don't like to talk about. As Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. You know, I led my, Christ, I led my wife to Christ when I was an unsaved heroin addict. She had a nervous breakdown because her father died. I read the Bible for three days while I was on narcotics. She got saved. I went back to drugs for two more years. How about that one? Huh? God can use Balaam's ass. Just telling you what happened. Now she started to pray for me, and I got converted by reading Acts chapter 9 in January 6, 1976, which is now, how many years is that now? 40 years now coming up pretty soon in a few days. It's amazing. It's amazing the love of God. And I couldn't stand God. I used to curse him outwardly. I would insult God. You know what? All the time he's just doing what? Loving me. He's loving me. He's loving me unconditionally. Peter, do you love me? This was the problem with Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 through 10. God is telling them how much he loves them. And they are to be a nation that reveals the love of God to a lost and dying world. The light to the nation is based on God's love. <laughs> they didn't get it. They didn't get it. Wow, what motivates me? You know, here's three great motivations. John 3, 16, for God so loved. You know the verse? Anybody know the verse? Say it to me. John. That's the Father's love. What motivated the Father to send the Son? He loves people. What motivated the Son in 2 Corinthians 5.14? The love of Christ constrains me. What motivates the Holy Spirit? What's the Holy Spirit in motivation? Romans 5. 5. Shedding the love of God abroad in the hearts. The motivation of the Trinity is this incredible love. And it's not the love, it's not a gushy, mushy feeling. It's not feeling love. It's love. By the way, a lot of people disconnect love from truth, and there's the problem. Love must be connected to truth. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and God is love. So you can't disconnect love from truth. What, what do people need in Kansas City? What do people need in America? They need to be loved. This is really what it's all about. That's revealing the nature of God. You know, a lot of people have done church. They know church. Oh, they've been there, done that. And what they, what they need is to be loved regardless of what situation they're in. And it's not that we are overlooking sin or we don't care about evil, but we are looking at them through the eyes of God and God can change their lives. Amen? Lives can be changed. You know what, you know what I, I love about God? God says this about Israel, but I want to make an application. You're the apple of my eye. Hello? You know what the apple is in the Hebrew language? You're the, it's the pupil. What do you see when you look in your wife's eyes, Pastor Sam? What do you see? Look, if you look in her eye, take your, in, inside, inside, the little, inside the little eyeball, do you see yourself? You see yourself there? That's a lesson. When I look at God, I, might, I see myself in his eye. When God looks at me, he sees himself in the little pupil of the eye. He says, you're the apple of my eye. It's amazing. Deuteronomy 32.10, Proverbs chapter 7, verse uh, 2, Psalm 17.8, Lamentations 2.18, Zechariah 2.8, you're the apple of my eye. This is how God sees us. How God sees us. Praise the Lord. I don't care how you see me, although I do sometimes, but how does God see me? How does God see Mephibosheth, a lame sheep? Sit at my table. You're one of the king's sons, and you'll be that forever. Nobody wants you. You're a lame shame. You're a grandson of Saul who tried to kill me, but I've got God's heart. I'm in Acts 13, 22, the man after God's heart who will do all of his will. Who's going to do the will of God? The one who is, and by the way, it doesn't mean after, like you're chasing after God. The word is not after that way. It means I'm a man receiving from God's heart. That's, that's, how do I do the will of God? Receive from God's heart. Receive from God's heart. 
How do I follow God? I received from his heart, God loved me. And God loves me. And that's what motivates us. What motivates me? Why do I come to church? Hmm? Religious obligation? It's the thing to do. Huh? Because everybody goes, no, 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 I come because God loves me. Really, and God wants to build me in that love. God cares for me. God has every hair on my head numbered, and that means ear hairs and nose hairs. That's all of it. We love people. What do people need in India? To be loved, right? What do people need in China? To be what? Love. What do they need in Russia? To be loved. Americans to be what? South America to be what? I've been in 110 countries, and the message is no different. It's loving people. Caring about people, loving them in truth, and letting them know that they are very important to God. I was an unsaved narcotics addict for 16 years. 16 years I was high every day. Morning, noon, and night. I lived for drugs. I was also an education addict. I had three university degrees. I did the narcotics addiction and the education addiction at the same time. That just shows you where education's at. And I got delivered from both addictions when I met Christ. Amen? When Jesus, by the way, I didn't find God. He's not lost. He found me. You ever see these stickers that says, I found God? Really? Why? Was God lost? You found him? He found me. I remember being in a bar room as a testimony in, in, in 1974. And I was sitting in a bar room. And my family is not one of the most up abiding citizen type families they were into a lot of things that were illegal we're from Sicily okay the family was a notorious crime family and I'm sitting in my grandfather's bar my grandfather's hotel my grandfather's restaurant and a girl comes in and, and there's about 20 of us there drunk and high and she taps me on the shoulder and says Jesus loves you a few other expletive things I can't say. She says, Jesus loves you. I'm like, go away. Get out of my face. Go talk to somebody else. She goes, God sent me to you. I'm like, what? I took her by the neck and walked her out the door and pushed her up the sidewalk. Went back and sat down, ordered another drink. Guess what? Came back again. I could not get her voice out of my mind for two years until I got saved. Jesus loves you. Je That's what people need to hear. The elderly, those in nursing homes, young people, teenagers, families, children, uh, parents saying that to their children, children saying that to their parents. The love of God can change any situation in anybody's life. It's the motivation. How do we, missions focus? What are you focusing on? I'm focusing on God's love. And as I focus on God's love, I receive it through the initiation of the Holy Spirit. God loves me and a change takes place. How does Onesimus change? Onesimus changes because he meets the apostle Paul in Rome and he gets saved and Paul sends him back to Philemon and tells Philemon seven times, love him. Are you with me? Hello? That's how Onesimus changed. That's how Philemon changes. That's how the church changes. That's how individuals change. That's how criminals become upstanding citizens. We got all this rehabilitation nonsense that goes on. They spend $65,000 a year on a prisoner. And all they do is graduate from one prison to the next. To the next. By the way, God can use prisons. Do you know, we have a prison called, it's called Walpole State Penitentiary. It's the worst prison in Massachusetts. They, they have given ten dollars to $12,000 for our orphans. You go into that prison, by the way, you, you don't want to go into that prison. What they do as far as a search is atrocious on your body. I went in there and I could, you hear the music and they're praising the Lord. And these men converted but really love God. They really love God and God's using them. Love changed their lives. Hello? 
This is so important. This is the motivation. What am I focusing on? Am I focusing on the, the feel, lost souls? Focusing on, I'm certainly not going to focus on myself. But am I focusing on Jesus Christ? This is the key. And letting him love me. I don't care where you're at or what's happened in your life or where you think you're at or where you're going or where you've been. It doesn't make a difference in all of it. This my son was lost, but now he's what? Found. He said, I'm unworthy. He said, oh boy, you can't be a servant. You're just a son. God loves you tonight. Amen? Jeremiah 31, verses 1 through 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love and with loving kindness. I will draw you, I will build you again, O virgin Israel. He calls Israel a virgin. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through, 1 John 5, 4, 29 times the word love is used. 29 times James and John were sons of thunder, energies, and they became sons of Jesus' love. You heard what he said, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loves. How are we going to reach Kansas City? How are we going to reach our neighbors? Loving them. Loving them with God's love, not with something natural, not with human perspective, not through self-analysis. It's unbelievable. By the way, you know a lot of people, they, they, don't, they have a hard time loving people because they don't love themselves. Didn't the Bible say, love your neighbor as you love yourself? Do you love yourself? Say, that's, no, it's not. It's biblical. I love what Christ has done in my life. Amen? I love who I am in Christ. I love who I am in Christ. Look at the evidence of God's love, how personal it is. God became a man. Oh, yeah, we know that biblical truth, but do we know it just biblically and theologically? But do we know it through the Spirit? How personal God is. Are you with me? How personal his love is for you and I. I was looking at something in the, in the Thompson Chain Bible, my favorite. Is that okay? Yeah. How Jesus manifested himself in closing. No, I don't know. You said I got to what time? So 10 o'clock? That's good. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Take it easy. I'll start getting mentally ill over what I'm saying. In John chapter 1, he's the son of God. This is personal love. John chapter 2, he's the son of man. John chapter 3, he's the divine teacher. John chapter 4, he's the soul winner. John chapter 5, he's the great physician. John chapter 6, he's the bread of life. John chapter 7, he's the water of life. John chapter 8, he's the defender of the weak. John chapter 9, he's the light of the world. John chapter 10, he's the good shepherd. John 11, he's the resurrection and the life. John 12, he's the coming king. John 13, he's the servant. John 14, he is the comforter. John 15, the true vine. John 16, the giver of the Holy Spirit. John 17, the great intercessor. John 18, the model sufferer. John 19, the uplifted savior. John 20, the, the, uh, the resurrection, the victory over death. John 21, the restorer of the backslider. This is who God is. It's all personal. It's personal. It's personal. He's personal. We have big congregations, but how personal God is to each and every one of us. And that love is amazing. Hosea, go love Gomer. Wow. He's preaching sanctification to the Jews and God tells them to marry and love a prostitute. You're gonna be joking. Did you hear what I just said? He's preaching sanctification to Israel and God says, go marry Gomer. And then Gomer goes out on him. He says, go love her again. If you don't believe it, read Hosea. That's the love of God for Israel kept going out on him. You say, if you keep doing that, people will take advantage. They took advantage of Christ, didn't they? They crucified him. I was thinking about a message I'm going to preach when I get to Africa, which is in a few days. And it was, it's called My Why. Say that. My Why. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know why? Because God loves us so much that Jesus would be forsaken by taking on the sins of the whole world so God would never forsake you and me. That's why. My why. It's awesome. God's love is so personal. Allow him to love you personally and create a capacity in you to respond to the word. 
By the way, you ever meet people, all these faith people that are out there, these name and acclaim it, prosperity people? Can I tell you something about faith? Faith is energized by love. Galatians 2.20, Galatians 5.6. Faith works by love. If I know I'm loved, I trust God. I trust God for Malawi. I trust God for the next step. You're still young, by the way. Yeah. Jonathan Goforth went to China when he was 70 years old. Said it last night. 70. I can trust God. I could be gone tomorrow, but I'd like to live to be 100. I, I think. Is that a good idea? As long as somebody's carting me around. God loves us. Amen. This is so key. And that's a personal love. Let God love you during this mission's focus, okay? That will be the motivation for what, why do I want to, why do I want somebody to receive Christ? I say to the guy at the hotel two days in a row now, I'm talking to you. You need to come to mission's focus at Midtown Baptist Church. He goes, stop talking to me. I said, I'm talking to you and you have no choice but to listen to me. God loves you. And, but I'm, I'm like that. I'm sorry. I am, I'm like a, a hound on a person. You know, that's just how it is. I got this one street corner in Baltimore. It's one of the worst drug addiction places in Baltimore. I've been there four years on that corner, twice a week, right there in that corner. And when I'm not there, they start saying, where's the pastor? He's the pastor of our street here, you know. I mean, I got heroin addicts, cr criminals. The guy said, I feel like shooting you. I says, that's your problem. Let's change your feelings right now because I don't want to die. I had a guy put a gun to my head one time, and he said, I'm going to send you, I'm going to kill you, because I don't like what you're saying about God. I said, do me a favor. You know what you're going to do? You're going to kill me, and you're going to send me to heaven. You're going to go to jail for sending me to heaven. I said, does that make any sense to you? You're going to go to jail for sending me to heaven. He said, no, that doesn't. I said, so why don't you get saved? Let's pray, and let's ask Jesus, and he did. Put the gun in his pocket, and he just said, like, pray for me, pastor. I was like... Perfect love casts out fear. Are, are you with me? No, God's love changes. I don't care who a person is. What they've done. Saul of Tarsus was a murderer of Christians. He went to foreign cities to put them in prison. And how would you like it if you were going up the road and that's what you were doing? And all of a sudden, the bright light shines and it's their voice says, I am Jesus. Uh-oh. I'm going to be wiped out right now. Whom you are persecuting but rise and stand upon your feet. I'm going to show you how much you must suffer for my name. Wow, he knew that God loved him. He penned so much on the love of God in the scriptures, didn't he? Talked so much about God's love. And this is incredible. In closing, for the second time, <laughs> Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, he talked to the church of Ephesus. And by the way, Ephesus had the best teachers in the history of Christianity. They had the Apostle John. They had Timothy Tychicus. They had, they, had quite, they, had, they had quite, they had Paul for three years. He said, I have somewhat against you. You've left me. You've forsaken me, your first love. Can you imagine that? They had truth. They had doctrine. They had labor. They had everything. He says, I got something against you. I'm not against you because God can never be against anyone, Romans 8, 31. But he's against what we do. So I have someone against you. You've left me your first love. Wow. We don't want that to happen, do we? Any church, our ministry of greater grace, I don't want that ever to happen. God, we need to be receivers of this amazing love. And you know what he said about the church of Philadelphia? In Revelation chapter 3, verse 9. I want them of the synagogue to, of Satan to know that I've loved you. And they're going to bow at your feet. See, one church left love. The other one was... Receiving love. As a church, as ministries, as individual believers, let's be people who are receivers of God's love. Love people. And by the way, love with God is a little bit different than human love. It's unconditional. Say it. Un it's not based on your performance. It's unending. It's unlimited. This is the love of God. It's full of truth. Can I love that way? Yeah, but they do. They did it to me 21 times. Well, I'll go for 22. Whatever, you know? Whatever. Let God's love reign in our hearts. 
Let it reign in truth. Let it reign in our purpose. Let it reign in our gospel message. Let it reign in our training. Let it reign in our Bible colleges. This is amazing. The love of God. The love of God. There is no substitute. Satan has a lot of substitute loves out there. Oh, yeah. Emotional love, love of money, love of sex, love of recognition, love, love, of, love of everything. And I could really love barbecue. We had it today, and it was like, wow, this is food. I'll tell you some things I've eaten you don't even want to know. My wife said to me, you're so healthy because every disease you have kills the other one. She goes, you have parasites that kill each other. That's why you're okay. I'm like, is that true? Let's bring the love of God and the gospel into all the world. Amen? That's, that's, our focus is on God's love. We are the apple of his eye. He loves us. I don't care who you are, what you've done, where you've been, where you think you're going, whatever, you, whatever estimation or evaluation you have of yourself, that's not how God sees you. God sees me in his love. And that's incredible. That's how he saw Israel. That's how he saw Peter when he denied him. That's how he saw John the Apostle. That's how he saw Jonah. That's how he sees people. What did he say? Adam, get away from me. What did he say when Adam failed and sinned? Adam, where are you? And he didn't say it as a policeman looking for a criminal. It was a broken heart. Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? So, Father, thank you tonight. Thank you for this love. It's a great love. It's a great love. It's a love based on the scriptures and the truth. Peter, do you love me? That's what a searching question that is. But it's not a, a question that would cause me to have guilt or shame. But am I receiving love from God? Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to shed the love of God abroad in my heart? People talk about bringing the gospel. God says, you are my mission field. I want to shed love abroad in your heart. In your heart. We can love people in Kansas City. We can love people in our neighborhoods. We can love people at the gas station. We can love people in our schools. We can love people in our families. We can love people in different countries around the world. This love is eternal. This love is personal. This love is in truth. This love has purpose. This love glorifies God. This is who God is. Maybe as we're here tonight, I don't know it people that are here, but maybe you are not a Christian. Jesus loves you tonight. Simply say, Jesus, save me tonight. I receive this love, and this love will change my life. Come into my life and save me. Save me. Save me. Thank you for the finished work of the cross. Thank you for mercy that rejoices over judgment. Save me. That's your prayer. You just say yes to God. It's between you and God. You say yes to God. Jesus saved me. And if you're here tonight, and maybe, and it's not through any strange thing, but, oh God, I want your love to be my motivation. I want to focus on your love. You love me. That's where it all begins. It doesn't begin with me. It begins with God. It begins with the Father, with the Son, and with the Spirit. Thank you. Love me, God, and you know you will because that's who you are. But help me to be a receiver of that love, to not analyze, not evaluate myself. We have three enemies, satanic accusation, world evaluation, and self-analysis. These are the enemies of the believer. But I, I reject those, and I receive God's love, his personal love, Regardless of where I am in life, if I'm saved one day or saved 30, 40 years, if I'm walking, whatever, whatever my situation is, love me tonight. Help me to receive that love. Help me to be a Peter who changes and begins to lead the ministry in Acts 2 and on. Help me. 
to be like Onesimus, who is loved by God through the Apostle Paul. Help me to be a Jedediah, one who is greatly loved. Help me to have the heart of Joseph towards those who sold him. Help me to understand what love says from the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. We thank you, God, tonight for this love. Just stand quietly. Maybe you want God's love to just change you. By standing, just say, God, I need more of this love. I need more of this love. I want you to love me tonight. I want to experience that love. I want that love to be a, the motivation for my life, my ministry, whoever I am. God, thank you. But this is who he is. This is who he is. 29 times in 1 John chapter 4, God's love. Thank you tonight. Help us to be receivers. To be receivers. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Whether we're standing or sitting, we can be receivers of God's love. He cares. He cares. Peter said it's unfeigned love in 1 Peter 1.22, and it's fervent love. It is, there's no hypocrisy in it, and it, it is fervent. This is what makes churches and people fervent, the love of God. Thank you for these churches that are here at this mission's focus. And thank you that they are receivers of your love. That personal, eternal love. Jesus simply said, by this shall all men know you are my disciples. That you love one another. Not by our buildings. Not by even our own words at times or whatever our programs might be. And even if they're spiritual, we know that. But by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Thank you. This is Christianity. God's love. Bless our night tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lf fellowship.com. God bless.